Luke 24, verses 13 through 32. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? In the Bible, uh, God tends to make appearances in a, in a few places with, with regularity. Uh, a few years ago, we actually did a series on this, on one of those places, which was mountains. Um, for some reason, God really likes to reveal um, himself to his people on mountaintops, like Mount Sinai, or uh, Jesus' transfiguration was on a mountain. Or if you look at the hill that we have out on the, kind of this side of our property, you'll see a hill with the three crosses that maybe look a little different than normal crosses. Do, but it's, it's a hill nonetheless, and that's for a reason. It's, in some sense, a, a mountaintop. And, and mountaintops are pretty special places for us, aren't they? Uh, there's, a, there's a rarity to them. There's this not everydayness to them. I mean, how often um, do we go and climb Mount Bora? Uh, I haven't recently. Perhaps uh, you have. It's a special time to do something like that. In fact, many of us in this room probably never have. You know, have you ever hiked to the top of a mountain? You know, when, when you get to the top and, and you finally hit the peak, there's this moment uh, where you get to the top of the mountain and you see the horizon and then you see the cascade of mountains all around you and you see the shadows and you see the lights and you see the contrast between the both. It's, it's really a beautiful, uh, meaningful place to be. It's powerful 
It's also really silent on mountains, which I think is very interesting. There's no car noise. There's no refrigerator noise. There's no cell phones going off. There's no people noise. It's just the people that climb the mountain, and it's eerily quiet on that mountain. And to me, it's no wonder that God chooses to reveal himself to places like that on mountaintops. We get that. It makes sense. It's an emotional experience being on a mountain, isn't it? Yet, that's not the only place that God reveals himself to his people in the Bible. God chooses, us, chooses to meet us in the extraordinary of our lives, in the unexpected moments of our lives, like a mountaintop. Uh, but more often than not, in the Bible, God chooses to meet his people in very ordinary circumstances. You know, the scripture reading this morning is actually one of those ordinary moments. It's actually one of my favorite stories in the Bible. People call it the road to Emmaus. And we'll just hit one layer of that this morning. And there's a lot more. And what's crazy is that God doesn't show up on a mountaintop or in some sacred place like a church or a temple. He, he shows up in like the most mundane place you can think of. He shows up where? On the road. That's where God decides to show up. There's nothing more mundane than being on the road. Can I get an amen? Now, come, let me prove this. Come with me down memory lane here just one second. What I want you to do is go back into your mind, and I want you to try to remember the last time that you drove to work or the last time you drove to the grocery store or the bank or something like that. Try to remember that trip. Let me just ask you some questions to jog your memory. Do, do you remember the light that turned red on your journey, if, if that happened? you remember that moment when the light turned red? Remember that? And you remember the cars that were with you on the road, the red one maybe, or the white one or silver one? You remember those cars that were with you as you were driving forward on the road? And do you remember the weather that day? It was, you know, the sun was either coming through the window of your car or it was cloudy. And you, or, do you remember when the AC was running and it was blowing on your face as you were driving? And do you remember when you actually turned into your workplace or the bank or the grocery store, wherever it may have been? Do you remember that? You remember that one time when you changed lanes on this trip? You guys remember all this, don't you? I bet that this moment, those moments were seared into your memory, your last drive to work, or maybe not. Maybe not. My guess is most of us actually can't remember most any detail of our last trip to work or the bank or the grocery store. It's because roads are mundane. They're ordinary. They don't hold a lot of meaning to us. They are a mechanism from getting to point A to point B. I mean, there's times, and I'm ashamed to share this with you all. I'm being vulnerable here. There are times when I'm driving and I leave the church and I go to drive home and then I pull into my driveway and then I have this moment of terror because I realize I don't remember the whole drive. Have you ever had a moment like those? I'm really hoping maybe you haven't. Yet, the risen God of the Bible chooses us to meet in the mundane, regular, ordinary, perhaps don't even retain a memory of it parts of life. And God does so regularly. And that is what our scripture reading really is this morning. You know, our scripture reading is set um, right after the cross, right after the resurrection of Jesus. And there's these two followers of Jesus and they're headed home after all these events happen. They're on the road to Emmaus. They're headed to Emmaus. And they, I imagine, are feeling quite defeated at this point. Everything that they thought was going to happen 
uh, with this incredible rabbi, this guy that seemed named Jesus, everything they thought was going to happen, well, none of it did. And they were pretty vocal about this. They were conversing on the way home, and they, it seems they were conversing loud enough to where this stranger was kind of overhearing, and the stranger walks up to him and says, hey, uh, what are you guys talking about? And this is how they reply. Listen to this. We're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. That's the linchpin. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early, in this, early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And so Jesus goes to a cross and then dies on this cross. And as they see the nails being hammered into Jesus, they see the future hope of Israel diminishing minute after minute. And then to make things worse, something weird happens. Jesus' body disappears, which kind of freaks them out, I think. And to these two disciples, I imagine at least, that they, you know, they were thinking, you know, we can't keep Christ with us alive. And now that he's dead, we can't keep Christ with us dead either. His body has disappeared. I imagine they were devastated at this point. Now, what I love about this story is that we, the readers of this story, we know the big secret, don't we? We know the secret that the stranger that they are sharing all their tears and all their fears with is none other than Jesus himself. The very person that they're mourning the loss of um, is having a living conversation with them right there on that path. You know, if you're engaged in reading the story, you're listening in and you're, you're watching and you're watching as they walk and Jesus walks with them and you start to get a little angry, at least I do, and you're like, guys, stop a second. Just stop and look at the dude that's next to you. It's Jesus. It's the guy that you miss, yet they just couldn't see him. Now, I don't know if Jesus did this on purpose. It's possible. But I tend to think it might be the opposite. You know, the risen Jesus was traveling along the road with these disciples who desperately wanted to see him and be with him so badly, yet they just couldn't see him. They just didn't know it was Jesus. They had a vision problem, didn't they? You know, for those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus, how many moments... Do we go about our lives, living our lives, doing the, the, the ordinary things that we do in our lives, you know, getting the chores done, doing the laundry, making that presentation at, at work, planting seed, milking cows. And in all those moments, Jesus may have been present with us and we just missed it. How many times? How often do you think Jesus shows up in our lives and we just can't see it. Perhaps we too have a vision problem. You know, in the ordinary of our lives, 
it seems that we see, yet we often don't really see. You know, we see what's in front of us, and we see the daily activities and the responsibilities that we have to do in our daily lives. But all of those things, they kind of put blinders on us in our lives. And we just can't see through all that stuff to see that perhaps in our lives, in the ordinary, Jesus actually might be with us in those moments. And you know what it took those two disciples to finally see who they were traveling with? to see who it was, to see that it was Jesus. It took the ultimate mundane thing in our lives for them to see it, which I love that. It took eating. It took food. The breaking of bread. And my guess, there was probably a little wine at the table too. You know, and I love the moment in the story where these two uh, followers of Jesus, they, they realize who their fellow traveler is. Listen to this from our scripture reading. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. And I love that, by the way. Jesus kind of was acting. Hey, guys, I'm going somewhere else. You want to invite me? And they do. It's great. So, but they, they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And here it is. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. You know, what did it take for these two followers of Jesus to finally realize it was Jesus right there? It took something ordinary, a prayer of thanksgiving, some breaking of bread, and I'm going to guess a cup of wine too. And then they saw him. They saw him. They saw the risen Lord whom they desired to be with so greatly. An encounter with the ordinary led these two to see the extraordinary, the risen Lord. And then he disappeared. And I love, I just love what the disciples say as they reflect on this. Listen to this from verse 32. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Were not our hearts burning within us this whole time that Jesus was with us? You know, have you ever had a heart burning in your chest kind of moment? Have you ever had one of those? And I'm not talking about, you know, indigestion from pizza last night. It's a different kind of heartburn, right? And I'm not talking about chest pain. You know, if you have chest pain, there's a hospital like right there. Go there. That's not what we're talking about. I mean, that incredible moment where the hair on the back of your neck sticks up, sticks straight up, and the goosebumps kind of cover your arms, and there's this kind of burning in your chest. Your heart burns where you realize in that instant that, my goodness, God is with me. Who can can be against me. Where God seems so tangible in those moments, but you can't quite put your finger on how that is. And in those moments, you just want to meet with God, and you just want to be with God, and you want to be in God's presence, and you want to worship God in those moments, and you want to love God, and you want to experience all that back from God too. You know, around here, we call those holy moments. They're holy moments. Not all of us have had one of those Not all of us have had one of those recently. And I love how those moments happen. Not on a mountaintop or some fancy cathedral or some super emotional moment that we find ourselves in. No, it happens in the opposite. It happens in the ordinary. At a table with the breaking of bread, 
and the wine. There's nothing more ordinary than eating a meal, is there? Friends, this, this is exactly what communion is all about. It's about meeting God in the most ordinary of places over food. You know, we're going to come to the table in a minute here. You know, let us pray that when we come to the table this morning, that our hearts burn within our chests. And then afterwards, we're going to worship and let us pray that as we worship, our hearts continue to burn within us. That the hairs on the back of our necks stick up and the goosebumps come and we know that God is present. He is with us in this space. Amen? At the table, it's where we meet God. In the ordinary, we just have to see it. Before we go to the table, why don't we pray? God, we thank you for the witness of your word. That there's those moments, those ordinary moments in life where suddenly we find our hearts burning in our chest as we know that you are present with us. Your Holy Spirit is among us. It's almost tangible. God, we thank you for moments like that. God, frankly, some of us in this room, we haven't had that experience in a while. Either we felt distant or you have, and maybe we don't know what the difference is, God. God, we ask in this moment for those of us that have not experienced that burning in the chest moment, God, that, that you would come and send your spirit upon each one of us. And God, there's others of us that have never experienced your presence like that. And God, we all, we absolutely pray that that happens for those of us too. God, we thank you for the table. And God, as we approach the table, we just pray that truly your spirit is with us, that our hearts are burning in our chests that in the elements we truly remember um, all that you've done, that you went to a cross for us and you died for us, even if it was just one of us. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.